Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I've got a really exciting podcast today. We're here with Ernie Svensson, uh, aka Ernie the Attorney, who is the host of the Law Firm Autopilot Podcast and um, a real forward thinker in the space. We'll kind of get into his background a little bit more, but um, he's been making a career out of doing things other things uh, other attorneys called crazy, including you know paperless practice in 2002, fifth attorney to start a weblog, and you know in addition to you know being a technological guy, he really has a great attitude about the most effective ways that aren't necessarily complicated that people can end up growing their law firm. So uh, thanks for coming on the show, Ernie. Oh, you're welcome, Jan. Thanks for having me. So given a little bit of a flavor on, on sort of your background, would you mind uh, telling the audience in a little more detail kind of how you got to where you are today? Yeah, sure. So I had a law school in 85. I clerked for a federal judge uh, in New Orleans for two years because I wanted to be a litigator. And so I learned a lot about the background, the behind the scenes of that. Then I went to work at, in New Orleans, would be considered, you know, a large firm, you know, litigation and learned how to manage lots of documents and deal with the complexity of business cases that were convoluted and had lots of people. And along the way, in around 2000, a friend of mine who had a scanning company showed me the power of scanning paper into a computer. And I said, oh, huh, that looks like a way more efficient way to do this. And I embraced it. And I looked around at other lawyers and told them, you know, this is amazing. And they said, you know, we're not interested. I got started with a weblog, as you mentioned, in 2002, because I was just reaching out to anybody or looking around on the internet for people who were forward thinking about technology, because it seemed to me like technology could be a good thing. And so I found a tribe of people that thought the way I did. And I embraced them. And, you know, they embraced me. And Years later, I tired of working in the big firm. It felt too bureaucratic, too, too lumbering. And so I decided to go out on my own, which I would not have been able to do were it not for being paperless and then also knowing that I could market my, my services on the web using a low-cost website. So it was really technology that opened the door for me to start a solo practice. And then I started getting invited around the country to speak to lawyer groups and tell them, mostly solo and small firm lawyers, and tell them, you know, what were the essential components of what I had done and, you know, could they do it as well? And I said, yes, you could. I showed them how to do it. And so now that's all I do. Like I just teach lawyers how to do this because I like it a lot more. I get great results and uh, it makes me feel better than going into court and having an opponent say that everything I say is BS. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I can imagine that it's a lot more pleasant than going to court. Now, I mean, we're talking about kind of simplifying things. So, and we did a little bit of discussion on the pre-call on some sort of things particular to the practice of law, but why would you say is this important for attorneys in particular? Technology in particular is important because it's constantly reshaping our society and enabling things that didn't used to be possible. And there's lots of examples, you know, we could use, but the one that often gets tossed around these days and is a good example is like Uber, right? Like Uber, you know, the idea 10 years ago that somebody would get in a car with a stranger, it was anathema. Nobody thought that that would ever occur, but technology made it possible. It took, while, it took people a while to adjust. And then it took people a while to realize like this was actually more efficient 
than relying on cab services. And of course, the cab services didn't like it and they pushed back, which is what you know entrenched interests who are being disrupted by technology predictably always do. But in the end, you know, technology was going to win out because it's creating efficiencies and it's lowering the costs and it's enabling people to do things that they had not been able to do before. So, you know, I'm somebody who looks at that scenario with technology and says, well, I'd rather ride the wave than try to oppose, you know, this strong force. Right. Gotcha. And then like, I can imagine just the applications for somebody who might be starting out that solo practice or even, you know, somebody to more established practice that is used to kind of the older way of doing things. Like you can kind of see some immediate gains, productivity, time loss, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, when I worked in the big firm, you know, that was like the, they would tell you that you had to build like, you know, for every hour you build, you know, half of that money went to overhead. And then the amount kept creeping up. So it became, you know, 60% and then 62%. And it's like they were becoming less efficient in that way. And I was like, this is crazy because if I go out on my own, I can not have an office or not have a big one because I'm going to get rid of paper. And I can get rid of, you know, or not have people working for me if I can do a lot of things on my own with my computer. Why is this overhead going up? It's because when you're in a big firm, they can't reshuffle as easily. So that's why I left. And then, you know, my message to solo and small firm lawyers is, look, if you do this efficiently, you don't have to work as hard to make good money because you're not spending as much money on overhead for starters. And there's all kinds of other benefits, but you know, that's the first one obvious. Yeah, of course. And then as far as when people are coming in, there's a lot of different ways that that people are finding you online, obviously. I mean, we've got the weblog that's been going since 2002. I personally found you on an Instagram ad you were running, which is pretty cool, and the podcast. Oh. But when people reach out, oh, wow. um, how are they, like, what kind of problems are you kind of seeing in common with the people that are kind of looking for for your help at this point? Yeah, so I have a survey and, I, and I've been surveying lawyers for a long time. It's in SurveyMonkey. And so I have amassed the answers to these questions, you know, the questions are some variation of like, you know, what's the biggest challenge in your practice right now? And, you know, I let them just, you know, tell me what the problems are. I don't try to force them into a particular lane, but the answers boil down to three things. Either people want their firms to run more smoothly. Um, they find there's too much chaos, too much frustration, you know, deadlines might get missed, you know, this kind of, those kind of problems, or they need more clients slash better clients or clients you know, who are better coming in more regularly instead of kind of a roller coaster effect. So those, you know, it's operations and marketing basically. And then the third one is they also aspire to have a practice that they can get away from so they can take vacations, you know, for a week at a time or two weeks at a time. And all of those things are possible if you, you know, proceed systematically and strategically in that direction. And so what I try to do is help them understand what are the components of doing those things? And for the ones who say, well, I don't really care about operations. I'm fine there. I care about marketing because I need to get clients now. Then we focus on that. Or if they say, I got plenty of clients, I need to be more efficient. I need to use automation. Then we focus on that. But um, you know, once you get both of those things dialed in and you can delegate to good people, whether it's in your office or outsourced, then you're able to step away from your practice more. You know, For the most part, it depends on the type of practice. I mean, some practices you know, are always putting out fires. Litigation tends to be harder to step away from than other practices. But, you know, it's possible. You just have to think about it and make a plan and then proceed to execute on the plan. Yeah. 
And as far as uh, it's, it's kind of interesting, this is something that we've spoken about a couple of times before on the podcast. It's come up at different times and um, you know, it's kind of interesting. We, we've, referrals are one of those things that you know you're basically contributing to this kind of roller coaster effect but you know what kind of stuff have you, have you been looking at in terms of you know getting getting that more and better clients kind of switching directions a little bit into the marketing track i suppose well you know lawyers hate to talk about marketing and and what they think they know in many cases is insufficient or wrong or misguided and you know so i've learned over time how to explain quickly to lawyers, you know, how to debunk a lot of things all at once. And basically what I tell lawyers, and these are solo and small firm lawyers, obviously, is look, you know, marketing is the method by which people come to know about your services. And then if they've never heard of you before, they come to know you, like you, and then trust you. And of course, everybody in marketing outside of the legal world knows that formula, know, like, and trust, right? For lawyers, the thing is you're not selling widgets. So the trust component is the most important thing. People are entering into a relationship with you, which can last for years sometimes. And they're going to have to disclose sensitive things that are embarrassing or awkward or whatever. And the mere fact that you have an attorney-client privilege that protects the communication is not what they're worried about. What they're worried about is talking to another human about things that make them feel squeamish. And so the trust component is the key thing. And so yeah, you know, you can have an online website and put out good content and do content marketing and run ads and all of that, you know, can work. But at some point, you're going to have to get people to trust you because if they don't trust you, if the only way that you get new clients is they go, oh, well, you're the only attorney I know. I saw an ad. Those are generally not going to be the best clients, you know, I mean, and you know, and anyone can stop. And that's why referral marketing has always been the best way to market because, you know, if there are people that know you, like, and trust you, they're going to refer a business and people are going to trust those people and it's going to work out pretty smoothly. The thing is you have to be strategic about that too. You know, one way to approach is to go, well, you know, I depend on word of mouth. Okay. Yeah. That's referral marketing, right? But it's not really strategic. It's better to say, well, which kind of clients do I want and who is closest to those clients and how can I remind those people or incentivize them to understand that I, care about helping those people. I do a good job. You know, all this stuff doesn't just fall into place and the world is becoming more competitive. So I think lawyers, you know, should focus on referral marketing first and foremost, and then supplement it with other kinds of things because referral doesn't necessarily, unless you have a lot of people on, you know, your email list and so forth, you're not going to, you're not going to get a lot of leads every month. Depends on the size of your list. It depends on how often you send to them, you know, there's some factors there, but in general, you always want to be working on that first and foremost, because those people already know you, like you, and trust you. Why would you leave them to the end? This is going to be speaking out of my own interest because we do advertising for attorneys as a case for our company. I never deny the fact that referrals are always going to be generally the easiest leads to end up closing into business. And a lot of the times for certain practice areas, it's going to be sort of the juicier stuff. Like, you know, you wouldn't be a Rockefeller calling somebody off of a Google ad to take care of your, your trusted estate seeds, for example. Right. But you bring up some good points too, but the consistency thing too, because and I know historically, especially if somebody's got that kind of word of mouth based and referral can mean a lot of different things to different attorneys. But with one right. of the hallmarks that I've seen is, is sort of the drawback for all those strengths that referral marketing has is kind of that consistency element because you never know when somebody's right. going to call you out of the blue. So what kind of things do you see, you know, people that are doing this successfully do to, to kind of even that out a little bit and maybe, maybe push the envelope in something that's, you know, ultimately out of their control, but something that you might have some influence on. 
if you're using ads and you know i've started to use ads because they help obviously but you need to know what you're doing right you, you know if you don't know how to buy ads you don't know what to message people and you don't know who you, you should message then everything's going to be less effective it costs more but if you say and you know I, I i'm sure you run into this because i run into this with lawyers it's like they'll say oh yeah this is great i, I want to you know i want to get traffic okay so i was like well what do you who do you want to get traffic from okay let's see i do estate planning i do criminal law i do personal injury I'm like whoa 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 you cannot talk to those three different kinds of people in the same way, they have different problems. You're not going to build rapport with them by saying, I'm a lawyer and I do lots of stuff. You're going to build rapport more quickly and readily with somebody if you say, hey, were you injured in an automobile accident? Because that's what I do. They don't want to hear that you're a trust and estate lawyer. In fact, that's going to weaken their conclusion that you are the right lawyer for them. So you have to think about what's your message going to be when you drive traffic to wherever you're driving it to. And if it's your website, what kind of story are you telling? Is there a picture of you on the website? You know, because if there's not, that's not good, right? Like, if this is not this is not Las Vegas high stakes poker where everybody's wearing masks. You know, if you're not approachable and you don't seem friendly, warm, and welcoming, there, you know, most people are going to go somewhere else because that's the reality. Like, it, it's awkward to talk to a lawyer. And the thing is, lawyers will say, "Well, but they want a bulldog." Yeah, they do. When when you're in court, they want a bulldog. They don't want you to be a bulldog all the time and be, you know, curt and abrupt. They want somebody that they can relate to. And lawyers just don't, they haven't stopped to think about this, but I have thought about it a lot because I didn't think I could, I didn't think I knew anything about marketing when I started my website. I was like, well, gee, I don't like going to marketing events. I don't like going to networking events. I don't really like trying to persuade people to hire me. You know, I have a whole, you know, other people seem to be good at the schmoozing thing. I'm an introvert. I guess I must not be good at marketing. And that's not true. You know, the essence of marketing is having a message and understanding who you want that message, you know, to be directed towards and then just being strategic. And that works really well. But if you don't do that well, or you fall in with people who just say, oh, we'll just, you know, buy ads and ads work great. Like, yeah, they can. But, you know, what about thinking about the whole picture? That's to me is really important. Yeah, very important points. And I wanted to ask a little bit more. So we kind of went over uh, quickly, just like things like having a picture in your website. What other ways do you yep. recommend people kind of humanize their brand, whether this is online or, you know, any sort of outreach they're doing or in person even? Yeah, it's psychology. So here's where, you know, it's very important for people if they don't understand how human psychology works, the practical part of it, not, you know, weird studies, you know, in arcane laboratories. But the basic human psychology that's been in operation for thousands of years and ain't going to change for another thousand, you know, people are driven to make decisions based on gut feel, which we can call those emotions, but there's a kind of logic to it. It's, you know, feelings are a form of thinking according to, you know, a couple of people that I've paid attention to and it, it makes sense, right? It's like, it's not like you have a feeling and it passes and it's just random stuff that's reactionary. Feelings are how you have gut feels about things, right? And that's how people mostly make decisions. Now, what they also do is they evaluate who are they talking to. So your authority as a person, you know, if you, this, this is why celebrities in ads work, right? Because like, I don't, I mean, does that person, they're a celebrity. So, you know, that's a factor. And then logic comes into play usually at the end. Like, I'll kind of have a gut feel that this is what I should do. Let me just think about the logical reasons and then make sure that, you know, I'm not doing something stupid. But the decision's basically already been made. If you start trying to appeal to people by using logic, they're going to get bored and turn off. That is a reality. 
All right, fascinating. And then basically, you know, it's also you can you can kind of imagine, you know, the, like uh, attorneys are trained to construct arguments. You know, so the logic yeah. is something that's particularly hard to get away in this industry. Yeah, I mean, it's not like you shouldn't use logic. It's just you need to understand how the pieces fit together. And this is where plaintiff lawyers tend to understand this more because you know they're incentivized by their business model. I mean, they're kind of like the entrepreneurs of the legal profession in that most everyone else has been billing by the hour and therefore you know, inefficiency is self-beneficial. Plaintiff lawyers want to spend as little time as possible and get a big result. And so there's a jury sitting in the box. If you can't figure out that the jury is motivated more by logic than, I mean, more by emotion than logic, you're not going to do well as a plaintiff lawyer, right? So plaintiff lawyers get it. Other lawyers tend to think that's unfair. They're just hammering about, about emotions and they're focusing on that. And they're getting away with things that they shouldn't get away with. It works both ways. You, you know, anyone can tap into what somebody's emotional framework or you know orientation is. You just need to realize that that's something you should focus on. You know, it's really interesting to see kind of the sort of uh, invisible judo of getting this stuff to work isn't really something that can be put yeah. in numbers, but it's super effective. So if somebody's interested in kind yeah. of going down this rabbit hole, like where would you recommend people start in terms of your books or you know different different resources like that? Yeah. So I've boiled it down to three books because I think there's don't want to spend a lot of time learning all this stuff. And I've read, you know, all the, all the books that you could possibly read. I've taken online courses. I've spent, you know, tens of thousands of dollars studying this because a, I find it interesting and I was shocked that I didn't know as you know, more about it earlier in my legal career. But um, I think the three books, I mean, I think one great book, you know, beyond the three is how to win friends and influence people. And that's a referral marketing type of thing. Like that's, you know, a good general all-purpose book to remind you that, you know, uh, you need to relate to people, you need to listen to them more and those kind of things, right? But then it, when you say, okay, well, I'm going to learn marketing, I think that there are three books that lawyers can use to learn marketing really well. So one is Seth Godin's book, and he's got lots of them, but the most recent one, which is called This Is Marketing, is his effort to kind of consolidate his other books on marketing and present kind of the unified field theory, if you will, of marketing. And he's a, he, he is very ethical. He's very sensible. I just feel like he brings the right values and everything else to the table that lawyers, you know, would appreciate. But the problem with that book is, you know, it doesn't talk about direct response marketing so much the way other books would. And so I like Dan Kennedy's book, Magnetic Marketing, because Dan Kennedy is a titan in the direct you know, response marketing world, or certainly in the modern world. I mean, David Ogilvy was the first person. But Dan Kennedy is well-known, and his books are easy to read, and his Magnetic Marketing book is kind of the centerpiece of his teachings over the years, just like the you know book I mentioned with Seth Godin. So those are two books to start with there. And then when you start thinking about, well, what is my message and how do I present who I am. I think the book Story Brand by Don Miller is a great book. And all of these books say the same things in different ways. So if you get to the point reading these three books where you can understand, oh, okay, well, when Dan Kennedy says this, that's really the same thing as Seth Godin thing as Don Miller. When you see that they're all saying the same thing, they're just emphasizing different things, then you'll then you understand marketing. Right. But if you don't understand marketing in general, you're at risk of doing things that don't make sense, cost too much money. Um, and for lawyers, I think it's really important that they do understand not everything about marketing, but just understand generally, you know, how do you build trust? What, why don't people 
um, want to do business with somebody? What are they worried about? You know, don't assume that everybody just wants to do business with you because they're a lawyer and they have a legal problem. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting too. like um, coming at the different things, like the sort of convergent evolution of these different thoughts. uh, It's, you know, it's definitely an endorsement for the fact this works. And if you look at any of those people um, I'm not super familiar with story brand, but I know, you know, Seth and Dan Kennedy, enormously successful people. So, and and it's, it's, it's our benefit that (laughs) ended up wanting to put their thoughts down in a book for all of us, which is great. But um, yeah, thanks for those. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And thanks for those recommendations already. And we'll, we'll definitely have those in the show notes. Um, so kind of wanted to dig on that a little bit. Um, you know, one of the things you mentioned earlier that I think could be really interesting is this concept of, you know, introversion and referrals. So we have a lot of, and we've had a series on these podcasts where we we interview people that are uh, really fast growing firms. And, you know, there's, there's people that definitely fit that typical mold of, you know, they're, they're hitting up all the networking meetings. They're on 20 coffee meetings a week, shaking hands, kissing babies. And that's what a lot of people think of from um, referrals. <laughs> but, um, you know, for, right. for somebody who might be a little bit different inclined, like how, how do you recommend people go about if that's not necessarily their strong suit? Yeah. So, um, so I am an introvert and I, you know, I, I, I never thought of myself as an introvert cause I'm not shy. And I certainly can stand up and talk to people. So I wasn't shy, which is what most people think an introvert is. But then I read the book Quiet by Susan Cain. And she's got a great TED Talk. And she's a lawyer. She was a corporate lawyer. And she came to the realization that she was an introvert. And then she talked about what the difference between introverts and extroverts are. And it's not like you're one or the other. There's gradations. You know, there's um, intensity of one or the other. And um, so basically introverts are people who lose energy being around a lot of people. So my wife is an extrovert, but she's kind of more quiet than I am. So people tend to think, well, she's an introvert. She's not. She loves to go meet people and talk to them and she can talk to them, you know, meet lots of people and talk to lots of people. And that gives her energy. Whereas for me, talking to a lot of different people just saps me of energy. So I am an introvert. And that is probably why I don't like going to networking events because I what I find is if I go to networking events, not that I don't like meeting strangers, it's just that whoever I meet first, I tend to think, wow, you're great. I let me talk to you some more. And so I spend a lot of time talking to a very few people. So it's not as effective. But what is effective if you're an introvert or if you just don't like to schmooze is sending an email once a month to people that you know know you like you trust you or who have found your website and opted in you know, to get your free, you know, report or whatever. And if you just email them once a month and offer helpful advice in a friendly conversational way, then, you know, your open rates will be 20% because that's what the norm is. And it's, you know, because some people are busy this month who aren't next month or whatever. So, you know, you're not going to have 100% open rate. So you can't, you don't have to feel bad about that. But some people open your emails and read them and they go, oh, wow, I got a problem like that. Maybe I should call you know, you and ask you about it or have a friend who has that problem, right? So you have to remind people regularly what it is you do in a way that's low-key and conversational that doesn't come across as, you know, you're orchestrating for business. So the trick is to separate in your mind. Like you know you're orchestrating for business. So, and this is why, you know, I'm, I'm going to create this course that we talked about earlier for lawyers to help them understand how to send a monthly email because it's, it's not hard. What they're going to do is overthink it. You know, it's, you know, you have to write it like a regular email that you're writing to a friend, you know, don't put disclaimers at the end. Don't put a, you know, a logo at the top, make it look and feel like an email that came from you personally that is addressing them personally. 
not that they, you know, not to conf- not to deceive them. They'll understand. They'll know it's you know you're using an email service to send it, um, but they'll feel like you're helping them. So like like for example, let's say you're uh, you do real estate closings and um, and this is I know this because I just worked with a lawyer you know who was doing this. He's like, okay, I'm going to send an email. What am I going to say? I'm like, well, at the end of the year, you know, we talked about. It. He said, yeah, some people want to challenge their property assessment. I said, is that something you do? He goes, no, I don't do that. I said, great. Because you can give them advice about it and say, I don't do that. But if you want me to help you find somebody, I'll help you find somebody. Because now the whole gestalt of this message is, I'm just trying to help you out. I'm not looking for business. I'm just a helpful lawyer who knows other lawyers. And I'm just reminding you of something you probably don't know you could do on your own. That's the kind of advice you want to give. Or if you're a divorce lawyer, you don't want to say, hey, listen, if you think your, if your spouse is cheating on you, you call me right away. No, because then they, that comes across as you're angling for business, and you are, and that's not cool. What's better is, here's how to have a happy marriage. I hope you have a happy marriage. I hope you never call me. Here are some things that people tend not to think about. You don't have to tell them if you're in an unhappy marriage, call me. They'll figure that part out. What they want to know is that you care about people. It's that old saying that nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. So your email is just don't do anything that makes you come across as greedy or opportunistic or transactional, provide helpful free advice, which is what people do online with a blog, right? But that requires a lot more posting and the formality is a little more, you know, you have to look for typos and, you know, make sure it's good and, you know, update it and stuff like that. An email, you send it once a month and that's really all you need to send. You send more than once a month, people are going to find it annoying. So it works really well. The trick is lawyers have to think, oh, okay, it's really not hard, and yet it's very powerful. Yes, it is. So do that. Yeah. And one of the things I really like about just listening to how you think about this, Ernie, is this kind of simplicity because it's like, you know, you have the, the, the whole concept of marketing and some people think, oh, yeah, I need to get an MBA for this or, or whatever. But ultimately, it's a person dealing with another person, um, hopefully at scale, right? So, uh, and you can kind of think of like the effect of that. Hey, look, would you rather send out, uh, you know, a hundred emails with a click of a button or do you want to schedule a hundred coffee meetings every month? It's it's going to be a a huge pain in the butt. Um, But at the same time, yeah. And the the emails, sorry, I was going to say the emails will lead to conversations, right? Like what's going to happen with the emails if you do it right is some people are going to realize, oh, I haven't talked to, you know, Ernie, you know, I'm going to call him up or send him an email and say, hey, do you want to go to lunch? So when you send those, those monthly reminders, it's going to trigger more encounters, more opportunities. Because I love Phil Jones. He's, he's a guy who mostly teaches sales. But he says, you know, con- questions lead to conversations. Conversations lead to relationships or build relationships. More relationships means more opportunities. More opportunities means you get more referrals or more business. That's the progression. Right. And the questions, you know, you're going to stimulate questions in people when you talk about things. You're going to, oh, wait, now I have a question. And they'll ask you a question. And you have a conversation with them about, about this by email. And then, you know, that's going to lead to a relationship or building a relationship. And that's going to lead to more opportunity. That's the math. The math is very simple. And it's worked this way forever. And it's going to keep working this way forever. So just stick to the simple math. Yeah, I like it. And then, you know, to, to kind of go a little bit meta on that. So, you know, there's going to be people out there that have got a couple hundred people on their email list, but, you know, if somebody has a little bit less, how would you recommend, you know, outside of just existing client relationships, are there any other ways that you're seeing people effectively build an email list? 
Um, well, the, the way to start, if you've never done it, is not to go into the deep end of the pool. So because it'll intimidate you, you'll get it's too, it'll be, seem complicated, and you won't execute. So you know, complexity is the enemy of execution. So keep it simple. So the simple methodology for getting you know people on an email list or building your email list, if you haven't done it or you have, or you have a list and you haven't emailed them, is get permission because you know that's required by law. But more importantly, it's just you know it's the right way to do it. Like you don't want people to be getting your emails that are going to be annoyed by it. So you want to right up front say, look, I'm going to be sending some emails out once a month to provide some helpful advice about fill in the blank, whatever you do. And, you know, I'd like to pass it along. You know, can I pass some stuff along? Question mark. Your first name and a story. And what, what you'll find if you send that email out with a simple subject line um, is people will say mostly 90% of the time, because these are people I know, they go, oh, sure, why not? Now, over time, they may decide it's not helpful to them. But in the beginning, they're going, okay, you're going to give me free advice from time to time? Yeah, that's cool. And then you just have to find some kind of advice that you can give that's in the realm more or less of what you do, but it doesn't have to be in, you know, exactly what you do because lawyers know lots of lawyer stuff and it, you know, the clients aren't necessarily always only thinking about the original problem that they came to you for. They might be thinking, gee, I need a, a, a lawyer who can help me with, you know, a tax problem. And if you talk about a tax problem, they're going to, Oh, that's right. Lawyers know. About, okay. Well maybe call, that lawyer or email them and ask them if, you know, they have a recommendation, right? So you're just finding ways to put out helpful information. That That's all it is. It's really simple. And then, so when you start, you know, if you don't have a list at all, when people say, yes, I would like to get that kind of information, then you have an Excel spreadsheet and you put in one column, their first name and the second column, if you want to put their last name, you can. And then in the third column, you put their email address. And then if you want to start, categorizing people according to, well, these are friends and family, or these are the lawyers, which, you know, I'm not going to send them legal information because they're lawyers, or these are clients, past or present. So those are generally the big categories. And if you just categorize each person, then when you put this all into an email program like MailChimp or one of, any one of those programs, you can tag things and then you can segment out the emails that you send. You can say, okay, well, this email is only going to be relevant to lawyers, so I'm just going to send this to the lawyers on my list. And that's technology, but that's advanced stuff. So I don't want people to feel confused about that. Just The key thing is get the first name and the email address of anyone who says yes and put that in an Excel spreadsheet. And just keep saving it. And then over time, you're going to have a lot of names in there and then eventually you can import it in one mass import into any one of these email service providers and it takes like five minutes. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, I always love uh, getting actionable, tip, uh, actionable tips like that. And it's, it's awesome. I mean, I, I'm totally in agreement with, you know, somebody who's starting out day one, solo or small, it's, you know, the referral stuff, it's going to cost the lease. You know, if you mentioned there weren't, I mean, if, if anyone was paying attention, there, there wasn't any, you know, place to enter a credit card associated with any of those strategies. And you're going to get high quality people that are, you know, presumably already introduced to you. So it's, it's great. So thanks a lot for that, Ernie. And like anyone who's, you know, recommending to, to yeah, take that yeah. first step, it's a great one. So, you know, if anyone's been kind of resonating with this, what's the best place to find you online? I didn't get the domain name, ErnieTheAttorney.com, but I was able to get ErnieTheAttorney.net. So if you want to laboriously enter the domain name, you can enter ErnieTheAttorney.net. Or you can just Google Ernie the Attorney and you'll find that website. And then I also have a business website, which is lawfirmautopilot.com, 
And those are my two websites. So either one of those will, you know, point to the other and give you information that's valuable. That's how you find me. Aaron's got a great podcast as well. And if you're listening to this podcast, um, chances are it's not the only one. And that's called the Law Firm Autopilot Podcast, Law right? Law Firm Autopilot. Yep. Awesome. And if you go to ErnieTheAttorney.net, there's a link there for the podcast and you can see all the episodes there or, you know, your favorite podcast. Thanks again, Ernie. And for the rest of you, have a great rest of the week and we'll be back with another episode of the Law Firm Growth Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode. 